0: Welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's episode 137. I'm your co-host Mike Parsons and I'm joined as always by the relative man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. The special relativity
1: man. I'll take that. I'll take it. Because of how much knowledge is behind it,
0: I will accept that, that accolade. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, and boy, I feel something fresh, something brand new, a twist and a turn in the Moonshots adventures coming up for us. Tell us about it, Mark.
1: Yeah, we've gone on a journey of Jordan Peterson. We revisited some of our most famous and popular Moonshotters within our Rising Star series. And Mike, we've just finished what I really enjoyed, a couple of collections of Cal Newport. And today we are kicking off a brand new series you could say actually mike this one's a little bit overdue we're getting into mental models and
0: boy have we got a foundation to build on today don't we i'm i'm slightly nervous about this show mark as you can probably tell
1: yeah this is somebody who you just drop his name and everybody around the world probably is aware of the work that he did as well as his looks And that's Mr. Albert Einstein. What a powerhouse of an individual for us to break down today, Mike.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing about Einstein is that, you you know, of course, everybody knows Einstein. He's like a heavyweight. He's iconic in every sense of the word. But here's the interesting thing. Even somebody who's just genuinely fascinated and curious about people and how they succeed, like I am. Coming back to Einstein through the lens of the Moonshots podcast has been amazing. I I knew he had some some ways of his magic, how he thought, uh, how he solved problems, but I have taken so much joy in getting into those actual models, and uh, I'm really into mental models at the moment. Um, so I'm delighted to be starting the series. But I can tell you, Mark, and to all of our listeners, we're going to break down how Einstein actually did it. And I will tell you this, I'm sure he was talented. However, there was hard work, a great moonshot theme. But here's the other thing. He had a textbook series of mental models, way to think, way to work on problems, how to come up with great, creative, original ideas. And I propose that we have six amazing clips to take the audience through today, Mark, where we can discuss, where we can learn out loud and decode how Einstein did it. I mean that's such a huge um concept
1: around mental models and proof that they work Mike because if you take somebody who's on you know just another planet at least compared to me Albert Einstein and the work that he did in mathematics physics science it's just another complete world uh but he has as you say with well, these practices these habits these behaviors mm. this way of thinking and for me as an individual who you know is a knowledge worker sometimes struggling with maybe sifting through the essential and the inessential work, trying to prioritize, trying to break down challenges that are big for me and put them into actionable bite-sized pieces that make a difference. When I look at somebody like Einstein who had this natural ability to solve problems and break them down into easy to understand ways, that's mm. really, really valuable for, for me as an individual. And that's what's been really fun, like you say, Mike, in breaking down Abbott-Einstein for this mental model
0: series. Absolutely so. I mean, Einstein has given us the ability to define light, atoms, even time itself in some of his theories and the body of his work. I feel like I am ready to ask myself, how did he do it and how might I do it too? Mark, where do we start?
1: Well, I think what's really interesting when you break down the way that he Approach these problems and the way that he tried to solve these huge questions about atoms, light, time. I mean, come on, is there anything bigger than those three things? And it was his way of thinking. So this first clip to get us started today is Robert de Graaf breaking down Einstein's imagination.
2: Einstein was a true genius, and it's the example we all aspire to, to be as a scientist. But already as a child, he had a very original way of thinking. I'm Robert Digraph, I'm the director and Leon Levy professor at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, and I'm a theoretical physicist. So from the very beginning, for Einstein, his imagination was crucial. Uh, he was not such a good student, because he was a very original thinker. And I think that was kind of the magic touch that he had. He always had a completely original point of view. He somehow didn't conform to the existing theories and he was always thinking in his his own particular way. His favorite way to operate as a scientist was the thought experiment. And he describes, for instance, the crucial moment where he essentially discovered the theory of general relativity. He was watching workers on the roof of a building and certainly thought, wow, what would happen if they would fall down? And then he realized if you fall down, you no longer experience gravity. And that in some sense, that's the natural motion. And that actually led him to derive the theory of general relativity and describe that moment as the happiest moment in his life. And later he said that, uh, something that I actually find personally very comforting. He said that imagination is much more, much more important than knowledge. Because knowledge describes what we know. Imagination is describing everything that we can potentially know in the future
0: wow mark that is for me that is everything we're about on this show i mean that clip talking about challenging the status quo thinking originally having this imagination and this creativity to come up with something groundbreaking to make a contribution to me that is the essence of being the best version of yourself finding your unique ability your unique talent I am so fired that was such a great clip mark
1: well it's it's the perfect demonstration of Einstein being a moonshotter you know yeah. I think myself coming into the show and thinking about Albert Einstein I knew him obviously from from school from upbringing and it was always a bit intimidating I would struggle to try and break down many of his theories and, and, you know, the the things that won him so many awards and recognitions globally, internationally, and to actually hear how he went to try and figure out those problems and thought about it from a creative, original thinking, you know, Adam Grant approach, (laughs) Mm. where he takes these, these challenges and thinks about them in different ways. That's his key. That's his success. it's, It's quite reassuring. It almost feels, Mike, achievable,
0: doesn't it? Yes. Within our grasp, one might say. It's within our grasp. And once we learn, as
1: we will today in today's show on Albert Einstein, some of these practices that he had, I feel as though I can then put into practice some of those habits that Einstein had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, throughout the show today, we're going to get into some of the mental models he used, um, about taking ideas, uh, from his mind and manifesting them, getting them out on paper. We're going to talk about some classics like Occam's razor. Uh, we're going to then kind of explore how he applied them as well, whether it's, uh, thinking about the problem before trying to solve it the role of collaboration and and mark what is so great for someone who brought so much original thinking to the world that has had enormous impact what's so beautiful is there's themes of persistence hard work resilience and i think this is again signature moonshots and all of this is in service of not just having wishful thinking. I'm going to say and admit that I've probably been a victim of wishful thinking more than most. I'm a bit of a, an optimist and always looking to build and create and always on the bright side of things. But what you discover with mental models is you can take your energy, your tenacity, your curiosity and your interest, and you can make the thinking itself better by using some of these approaches of Einstein and what we're going to explore throughout this four-part series on mental models. I mean, it's, it's really, um, this is going to make the neurons, make the particles, the very atoms in your mind pop with energy because you don't have to work harder. You can work Smarter. I think that's the key here. Don't rely on wishful thinking. Have the right mental models. Think things through properly. And it's just such an exciting thing. But before we launch off into all of the upcoming clips, Mark, I feel like we have to kind of uh, pay some homage to what uh, Robert Dijkgraaf, what a such a good Dutch name, by the way. Um, He mentioned thought experiments, and I think it's uh, an opportune time for us to really explore this because this was one of the ways in which Einstein could achieve so much value. He asked questions like, what if? And this was like like a fundamental way he explored new and original thinking. So, Mark, why don't we get into thought experiments a little bit I know you've prepared like a, a little breakdown on, on uh, thought experiments. Let's kick it about and ask ourselves, well, if this is the key to Einstein's thinking, is this, is this how he defined relativity? Well, let's not get stuck in the science mm. of rel- relativity, but let's ask ourselves, well, what is a thought experiment and how might we use them in our day-to-day work?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's really quite fun challenging yourself to really consider thought experiments because the truth is, Mike, there are many, many different types. There's a huge variety and we'll break these down in a second. And there are people all around the world who will use thought experiments to break down those those challenges. You know, chess grandmasters, we've got physicists, we've got uh, business leaders and so on. But before we get into all that, Mike, let me try and paint you and our listeners a picture of what a thought experiment would be because fundamentally a thought experiment is putting yourself or your mind or your consideration into a way that maybe you can't actually replicate in a physical way. Mm. So an experiment, maybe in a laboratory, would be beakers, it would be Bunsen burners. This is Mm -hmm. showing our listeners how much uh, memory I have of the days when I was a scientist back at school. And it's all very physical. Whereas where Einstein would practice a lot was in thought experiments. He would imagine as Robert Digraphs broken down in that first clip, workers on the top of the building, what if this happened? Then this could be the result. And a great example of Einstein's thought experiments is, is the following one that really helped him understand relativity. And that's where he imagined being able to physically chase a beam of light. Mm. So imagine a beam of light shooting out of y- your torch and you being able to run or fly or at least propel yourself at the same speed. To you as an onlooker, or in this case as Einstein, as the onlooker who's moving at the same speed as the beam of light, that beam of light's not moving because he's moving at the same speed. Yes. And what a wonderful demonstration, Mike, of propelling his mind into a, uh, almost an atomic level without yes. being able to physically do that. He can't move at the speed of light, but being able we- to think about it. Yes.
0: Now this to me is the essence of uh, a thought experiment. What happens is you entertain an idea that might seem impossible in real life. And what you do is you entertain the idea of running alongside and running in front of light. Totally impossible. But the the capacity to imagine that situation helps you see a problem or a situation from a different point of view, because we all uh, accept the current constraints and none of us, except Einstein at the time, had really asked ourselves, well, what happens if I run alongside by light and let's see if I could catch it? By doing so, huge breakthrough. But it was because he was prepared to do a thought experiment. He structured it and he wasn't caught up in that. Well, of course I can't run as fast as light. He just entertained. What if, and through doing so he had all these new insights and Mark, here's the great news. Einstein really is one of the champions of the thought experiment, but uh, I can tell you it goes back earlier than him. Galileo uh, did it. Even Greek philosophers in like 430 BC have documented thought experiments. Mm. Isn't that amazing? There is this, you know, two millennia of uh, humans applying thought experiments. And what's so great is today we're putting that in front of ourselves and going, how might we do it? And if you think, Mark, we live in a time where all these new technologies are happening the introduction of the internet, the introduction of uh, the microprocessor, the introduction of um, the iPhone, the smartphone. If you think about all of these things that are happening, you could apply thought experiments to the blockchain. You could even make it more simpler, just apply it to 5G. What happens when everybody has 100 uh, 100 meg down, maybe a gig down uh, in their pocket? What happens? These thought experiments are fantastic in us entertaining things which seem impossible. And that's where all the breakthroughs come. I believe thought experiments is a key, it's not the only, but it's a key model, it's a key mental model for original thinking, for brave thinking. So now, Mark, if you think about thought experiments, how on earth do we apply these things to our life? Yeah, I mean, you've listed
1: a number of, huge heavyweight philosophers and, and scientists, but the key theme across all of those individuals, it's it's less about the blackboard and the chalk or the, um, the computer models with equations and so on. And instead it's creativity, isn't it? It's the creative way of, of thinking about it. So Mike, I mean, the first area that I want to dig into is uh, the next clip I'd like to play. And this is from... A team called top think uh, and they're discussing einstein's ability to actually make that jump that we've just been discussing using that original thinking and that creativity how does he bring his thoughts into real life so this next clip we're going to hear from is about physical thoughts
3: there are countless ways to express yourself yet few people truly take advantage of them if you want to think like einstein then you have to learn how to bring your thoughts into the physical world Drawings and diagrams are a great place to start. These forms of physical expression force you to put your ideas down on paper. That means you have to make a definitive statement. You can't keep speculating, which is all that many people ever do. More importantly, creating a diagram gives you perspective on your own ideas. It lets you take a step back and analyze from the outside. Normally, your thoughts are so wrapped up in your head that you can't separate yourself From your ideas, drawings and diagrams give you something stable to build on. You can see where it's right, where it's wrong, and where you have room to improve.
0: Oh my gosh, are we getting into some territory that I am just (laughs) so into? So this idea of um, uh, drawing your ideas um, really brings me to... um, this great body of work that is called systems thinking or system design. I'm really into this Mark because you can actually visualize your ideas with systems thinking. And um, I want to kind of uh, share with you some um, basic templates that you can uh, use for system thinking. You can draw uh, all sorts of your ideas You could, for example, focus on connectedness, how things connect, or you could do a different one, which is like parts of a whole. Imagine something like a puzzle piece. You could do isolation and analysis, or you could bring synthesis together and bring everything into one. You could have linear or circular, silos, emergence, isolation, relationship. And these are all ways you can actually visualize your ideas. So what I'm doing here is I'm saying, okay, we know that the practice is to visualize your ideas, but not all of us are systems designers, illustrators, but there's actually, once again, there's a go-to a set of tools that we can use. Almost, and I'm not afraid to say it, there's almost templates that you can bear out your thinking in. And I think this is this was really uh, I don't want to oversell it. It was pretty profound when I found that you could actually draw your ideas. So Mike, what do you think as I'm pitching you these ways of, of visualizing your ideas, your systems design, how does this sound as, as kind of a practical way to bring your idea to life?
1: I'm very much a thinker who requires some sketching or some doodling to make sure i've got the idea in my mind so i'll take lots of notes as as we're in a meeting or a discussion if i'm trying to understand the flow of a customer journey or uh, the flow of an application or whatever it might be i will or even the flow of a conversation maybe with a with a colleague or a or a customer i will try and sketch it out so that i can You know, cemented in my brain, but also I can explore how it might go. Mm. It's, it's, I find that although I may not be on the level of system thinking yet, um, and I'm very curious to really dig into that more as well, thinking about the journey from a visual perspective is very much where I try and get the most value out of my own preparation. You know, we've discussed writing tables of contents or skeleton decks the night before or the week before you need right. to deliver something because then it gives your brain enough time to percolate and to think about it. And I wonder, Mike, would you say that there's a there's a connection there with our practice of writing things down to reflect on upon it? Is that a form of, of system thinking, do you think?
0: Well, what I think uh, we're talking about, whether you – do a sketch or write down bullet points, what you are doing is transferring this sort of abstract nature of your thought and putting into something manifest. And as soon as you do that, it forces you to get clearer in your thinking. So when you draw an idea, you could draw it as an idea of the interconnectedness of things, but Alternatively, maybe your idea is more about parts of a whole. Mm. Those are two different ideas. So by the act of writing, your thinking gets better. Through the act of drawing, your thinking gets better. And all these are, are ways of making the idea manifest. And what I think happens, and we alluded to it in the clip, I think we entertain notions in our ideas. We're like, oh, that could be an interesting idea, or we really need something that fixes that. And it's like a fleeting thought or it's like a notion that just sits there. And sometimes it comes back every time you are working on something and it triggers this thought again. And I think what, what happens a lot of the time is I think human beings in general think pretty well. They have these notions, these abstract ideas. I think what we are doing is we're at this really exciting moment where Einstein is teaching us to turn it into something, to then work on it, revise, revise, polish, polish, polish. And that's what he did so well. I think most of us are just having these loose notions that we don't even get to writing down, let alone draw. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. It's sometimes hard to actually commit it to paper when you're so caught up in the immediacy of something. And that's, you know, a challenge that we went through with Cal Newport, A World Without Email. Sometimes it's very hard to, you know, only focus on or step away from the urgency of a brand new email. Oh my goodness, I must reply to it straight away when actually having something that's more system thinking approach where you can write it down, reflect upon it. I think the act of actually drawing or writing or sketching or even discussing perhaps helps you level out what are those priorities and helps you simplify the decision-making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And once you've got it written down, there's lots of really good tools. Let's say, let's put this into the business world and you know you have a new idea for a product or a business. You can write what we call the lean hypothesis. And that's a way of saying, hey, This particular type of uh, person has this sort of problem. This is how they currently solve the problem, and it ain't great. I propose providing this solution to the problem, and I will know it's successful when I achieve these metrics. And now, the interesting thing, like that, um, like what we call the lean hypothesis, is it's just like a diagram or writing down some notes, is that you can then come back to each of those different elements that I mentioned and start testing them. Break them down and work out what part of your hypothesis needs further work. It could be you've written uh, your hypothesis out and you thought your customer was an early adopter, but actually it's more the early majority. You might say that the, the problem was uh, a, B, and C, but it turns out it's you know DE and F. And those variables are what you can actually work on and that's exactly what, Einstein did. And Mark, he did not get lost in all of the complexity of the world, did he? I feel like he was able to bring such a beautiful, fundamental simplicity to how he thought. Yeah. And this next clip breaks that down
1: for us, Mike, into an experiment or a way of thinking that perhaps some of our listeners have, have heard of before and this is a great demonstration of how einstein could take something like atoms light speed of time and break it down into ways that he could he could try and communicate but also understand and this next clip mike is all about occam's razor
4: occam's razor is a principle that says if you have two competing ideas to explain the same phenomenon you should prefer the simpler one This means that you should always go with the simplest option when you are presented with two possible solutions. If you are running low on time to do the exercise and you have the option to drive to the gym, do the workout and get back or simply go for a run, then don't complicate things and simply go for a run. It is better to do a quick exercise and then get on with the things that need to be done. As humans, we like to complicate things. If you send an email to the client and the client doesn't reply on the same day, then you will start to overthink. Did I say something wrong? Maybe my price was too high. Should I send another email, etc., while forgetting the fact that the client is simply busy and will reply with a delay. The complicated solutions don't always lead to great results. More often than not, it's simplicity that delivers the best results. Simplicity will enable you to spend more time on actually doing things instead of thinking about the process of complicated steps. So the next time when you have to make a decision, you can think about Occam's Razor to make a decision that will be easy to execute.
0: Mm, I... I cannot think of more appropriate uh, advice for us here in 2021 where we're deluged in data, notifications, emails, you name it, Mark. I feel like coming down to this idea that often the simplest explanation, the simplest path is best. I mean, that is just timeless, timeless moonshot uh, wisdom right there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, but it's so difficult. And Mike, you know, you tell me if you agree, it's so difficult to sometimes stop your mind from exacerbating things and, you know, you sometimes find, okay, well maybe it is like, let's, let's imagine, uh, here's a famous Occam's razor example, Mike, if you heard the sound of hoofs, uh, hoof coming down your street, do you imagine it's a horse or do you imagine it's a zebra? more likely is that it'll probably be a horse. I mean, admittedly seeing horses running around the streets of Sydney is pretty rare nowadays anyway, yes. but you can see the the difference here. Is it going to be a zebra? Is it going to be something a little bit more expected like a horse? That for me is quite um, challenging if I'm problem solving during the day, because sometimes my mind will exacerbate things and it'll assume
0: mm. the worst. So, this Occam's razor was a key tool for Albert Einstein when he was doing the theory of special relativity. And when he was dealing with something so complex, his mantra was everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. So what he's saying here is don't dumb the idea down, just make it as essential, as fundamental, as simple as possible, because that's the only way you can apply your mental uh, activity to the key challenge. Otherwise, if you make complexity, they're all distractions from the problem at hand. And I think this um, stripping things back to their simplest form possible. I feel like this is advice that we can all, all learn from. And it wasn't only, you know, the crazy thing is it's not any Einstein that's used this. Stephen Hawking. It's being used on science. It's being used on governance. Um, you know, there are so many different people that have celebrated this idea of Occam's razor as a way of getting to, um, the fundamentals. So you spend most of your time on stuff that matters. Oh, that feels good. That's a good idea right there. Yeah. That's so handy. So, so handy. Occam's razor. So, so when you um, when you attempt, Mark, to make things as simple as possible, but not simpler, how does that look when you're trying to like f- solve a problem and not get kind of distracted by all of that complexity and noise around the problem? Yeah, I, I think it's trying to
1: tear it back to the absolute essential items you know, bringing the problem right back to, okay, well, what are we actually trying to do here? What are we trying to accomplish? And Mm. what has led us perhaps to this situation? Okay, well, let's see whether we can backtrack. Let's see what we can strip out that might be making this more complicated than it needs to be, because we're all trying to get to maybe one destination. What's currently blocking it? And maybe I'll use something like the, the previous clip diagramming or writing it down, or more likely nowadays, pick up the phone and give somebody a call to see whether it's an issue that, that they're perhaps uh, bringing into the equation.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think that, um, where I would go when I think about stripping things back is, Like I tried to, and uh, I tried to use some of the thinking from a different uh, model, which is called first principles, Mm -hmm. um, which is really just getting down to the truth that never change. Right. When looking at this problem, the truth is that every day the sun will shine. Okay. Um, if you're in Sydney every day, it's going to be somewhere between mild and hot, right? These are sort of truths that, you know, uh, are, are consistent. And so what you want to do when you're kind of thinking of Occam's razor is not get caught up in the ifs, buts, and maybes. With Occam's razor, it's another way of saying that is don't get caught on the, um, what we call the edge cases where under very unusual circumstances, the situation changes. What you want to do is get to the, I try and get to the shortest statement of the things that I know are the facts, the data. I don't put any analysis on it. I don't do any recommendation. I go, here are the five facts that I know to be true. Now, once you have, let's say it's five or three, it doesn't matter. Let's say you've got your five facts, all right. And you're trying to apply the simplest uh, reason or the simplest path is often the best is then what you do is you put those, uh, sets of data into different situations. So I I quite like to have um, some tension between two possibilities. So I've got the same facts and it could be one of two things. And I always try and pick things that are quite opposite, right? So for example, let's say we're solving um, the reason that a product is not performing well. Is it either A, that we don't get enough people? to the product or B, it might be that the product doesn't do a good job when we get them. So then I would build the facts and apply these two uh, approaches and test and test and test until the simplest answer emerges. So by deliberately making the facts, which uh, which of the two scenarios that I just mentioned, do the facts support the best? Which seems simplest, which makes common sense? Because at a certain point you can overthink it or get caught in these like edge cases. What is the simplest explanation for the five facts you've got? Is it this one? Is it A or is it B? And by making those quite different you should start to see a pattern emerge and you will sort of migrate. It's a bit like magnetism. You start to like, yeah, I think the problem is we just don't simply have enough customers. That's the product problem. Or maybe it takes you the other way, but I think having this very simple set of facts and then taking two very different possible hypotheses and applying it to those facts will often give you the simplest the, the most straightforward answer. And I think you just got to work through it, don't you, Mark? You can't just do it once. I think you really got to just be rigorous in going through those simple foundational uh, thoughts that build up your your larger idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, another build on that is a demonstration of the, the very nature of mental models. They are designed to interlock, aren't they? They yeah. can work with Occam's Razor and another in order to try and find that, um, maybe simpler explanation or the one that's most relevant for you. And I think that's a great, what you've just described, there is a great almost journey in demonstrating that you can pull inspiration or guidance. Maybe that's a better word from these different mental models and apply them to any problem that you might have in order to find the best way to move forward. I think that's a nice demonstration there.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's kind of bring it all together, this uh, thinking around the mental models that made Einstein so successful. Okay, so firstly, obviously the thought experiment. He was asking the what if, and it didn't matter if he was, you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound or chasing light. Uh, he was able to do these thought experiments. And then secondly, he really encourages us to manifest our ideas write them down, illustrate them, um, and make sure that you get out of your head and start actually having something that you can test and refine. And then lastly, as we just finished up on, make it simple. Like, Don't make the idea overly simple, but make it as simple as possible. Get it to the essential key facts. And that is a path to actually getting what's in your mind onto paper and applying it in the world. Whew, Mark, okay, three big thoughts. It's like it's a pretty big workout, this Einstein show, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's already demonstrating to me how I can try and replicate some of these approaches that Einstein himself followed rigorously <coughs> in order to solve his problems. And look, if he can, if he can use these to solve light um <laughs> time. Uh, I think I can atoms. I think I can try and use them as well for
0: my problems. Fantastic. Well, you know, Mark, one of the other things we need in life is motivation. Uh, it's such a fundamental thing in life. And I think it's time that we remind our audience that if they become a member of Moonshots, which they can do at moonshots.io, they can listen to our members only content, our masterclass in motivation is now live and online. And all you have to do is become a member and you can listen to it. We published a little teaser uh, a few days ago before this show, but Mark, there is so much more on offer if you become a member. That's right. If you
1: become a member, you can pop along to www.moonshots.io and click on our member section sign up and not only will you get a brand new exclusive subscriber only episode of the moonshots master series show, you'll also get access to reading lists to downloadable frameworks, questions, and real elements that will help you become the best version of yourself through the practice of these these big problems and all these big themes such as motivation Mike that we've tried to boil down through the act of learning out loud on the moonshot show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the thing I want to invite you, all of our listeners to do, all you moonshotters who are learning out loud with us, come on and join in. We can take this so much further. We've done 137 shows. That's why we've created the master series. And that's also why we feel that we've got something that is so good. We want to invite you to become a member and to contribute to this movement that we have 30,000 people listen to our show. Let's join together and let's learn out loud because we've done so many shows. We're able to pull together not only a definitive show like we are today on Einstein, but we are able to bring shows to you on motivation, first principles, teamwork, all these big ideas where we have decoded the secret source the pattern that we see across all of these superstars these creators these artists these entrepreneurs so come on join us at moonshots.io it's literally just 1 a week and it's your chance to contribute because hey we are doing all of this for you guys you can get the moonshots podcast for free anywhere anytime any place All we're asking is for you to join up and you'll get so much value out of becoming a member. So head to moonshots.io, become a member, and you'll get access to unlocking your motivation through our first master series. And our next one will be on first principles, which, Mark, by the way, gets me back to this whole idea of mental models, doesn't it? It
1: does. You know, if we can boil something down to the, initial or original
0: concepts,
1: you know, the DNA, the atom mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. Einstein would say, then that's the first principle. So I can't wait to begin episode two of the master series. Or awesome. Come join us, listeners.
0: Absolutely. Come join us. And on the theme of coming together and being better together, I think it's time to get back to Einstein and talk about collaboration. And it's not only that, It's the fact that actually Einstein worked with others, helped others, and in turn, they helped him. In fact, his way of thinking differently came down to this central thought that he's going to explain to us right now.
5: And he wasn't working alone. Some of the major parts of his theory, for example, the the special theory of relativity that deals with how time slows down when you go close to the speed of light, had largely been formalized and set up before by people like Lorentz. And even parts of general relativity, his idea about gravitation and the curvature of space, had been done by people like Lemaitre and others.
6: Science is a deeply collaborative enterprise. And I've always been struck when I see physicists in action how much they are teaching one another. This is a social enterprise, and they kind of go back and forth between the individual sitting, struggling against you know the, the brick wall, banging their head against it, trying to make sense of reality, and the collaborative social side of things. So one thing that's crucial to that is that all scientists have to gather around them some kind of friend group. So science, probably more than a lot of jobs, really depends on strong personal friendships among people. Sometimes this idea isn't located in either person's head, but it's kind of floating in the space between them. And each person's kind of contributing to it. And the idea is growing and growing and growing. Einstein, for one, loved it. He reveled in this kind of intellectual play. So he had a series of very famous encounters with Niels Bohr at a series of of meetings in the 20s and well, really in the 20s. In the 30s, things kind of all fell apart in for, for Europe in general, but certainly for the German science community. So in the 20s and the teens, he went to these conferences and would encounter these other scientists who just didn't accept what he was saying. And they would go off and usually off the record, and these have, had to be reconstructed by historians, had these intense debates over breakfast, over wine, over just walking down the street.
5: Einstein was absolutely brilliant at seeing that different theories that people were working on could come together into a wonderful coherent whole. Even he admitted he wasn't particularly great at the mathematics and he had other people that assisted him with actually formalizing the mathematics of how gravity could work. So Albert Einstein himself would have said that he was brilliant in collaboration, that he actually pulled lots of things together. He wasn't just a lone person pulling stuff out of his head from first principles.
1: isn't that a powerful reminder mike that yes all of these are all of these great thoughts that einstein had you know he was this individual who's you know uh, associated with so much incredible thinking he often relied on the collaboration input and even debates like with Niels Bohr, the Einstein and Bohr debates are are pretty mm. well known because of their impact on on um, physics and the philosophy of science. Uh, just through debate, you know, this collaboration—whether it's hey, can you help me figure out this equation, or hey, I disagree with you, let's brainstorm this together—that's just a great reminder that Einstein is using these principles that you and I use and that our listeners use, teamwork, collaboration, by working with one another, we can better our ideas, maybe even challenge our assumptions, our subjectivity in order to make things better. I think that's just a real great reminder of the impact of some of these things that we sort of maybe take for granted, or maybe we dismiss. And when you hear that somebody like Einstein, was using them, that's a great reminder that we can revisit them
0: well i would go as far as saying when you say einstein i my first thought is not collaboration not at all i mean to me this is a bit of a surprise isn't it
1: yeah yeah it's a surprise because you'd assumed it was just einstein with his with his crazy hair in in a room and a big yeah exactly
0: but by himself <laughs> but this is so powerful because then we can take einstein was using collaboration and then go back and look at our, our our series of work on all of these moonshotters whether you whether you think about the collaborative nature of Richard Branson or Joe Rogan what you start to see is that collaboration is not essential for your thinking that you know life is a team sport as Patrick Lencioni said so well when we when we studied him on on the show. So Mark, what I'm proposing to you here is, you know, people have this vision of Einstein being in a tower, coming up with these great ideas. No, once again, we see collaboration and teamwork as being an essential theme for anyone embarking on a moonshot. Anyone trying to make work that matters, to be the best version of themselves. Collaboration is key. I mean, this is like confirmation number 137, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's
1: just confirming every single time, go and work with your team, go and collaborate in order to push your thinking forward. And it's such a uh, joy to hear that
0: Einstein would do the same thing, Mike. And I'm going to say to you, this next clip, this next thought, once again is a huge Moonshots theme. Why don't you kick it off for us, Mark?
1: Yeah. If if collaboration is something that Einstein would use in order to get to a conclusion, this next behavior is so valuable and very orientated around what maybe we suspected or assumed or associated with Einstein himself. And this is the idea of persistence. So this next clip we're going to hear about is Einstein's persistence and sustained thinking.
7: And a lot of people ascribe his success to his extreme mental prowess, his very high intelligence level. But in the book, Einstein, Walter Isaacson talks about how Einstein truly achieved that level of greatness. Here's what Einstein said in his own words. He said, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. Now, I want to dissect that. He's saying, it's not that I'm so smart that I have accomplished so much. Because there are a lot of people who are super smart, but they don't have that staying power with problems. So what Einstein is saying is, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. The key here is staying with problems longer, being able to focus on something for extended periods of time without distraction. What's happening in today's world? Let's say you're working on an important problem. Now, as soon as you get anywhere close to a level of struggling with a problem, you distract yourself. You go check your email, you check your Twitter, you check your Facebook, you check you know, all sorts of things rather than sticking with that problem. But what Einstein is saying is, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. So if only we could stay with problems longer, we could also achieve a level of greatness that currently may have been eluding us. You see the key to great success in any field, whether it's research, whether it's business, whether it's education, software, anything that you want, it's focus. The great Voltaire, he was one of the greatest authors to have ever lived. He said, no problem can withstand the assault of sustained thinking. No problem. No matter how big every damn problem you're encountering in your life, that can be resolved with sustained thinking. Now, he also says, no problem can withstand the assault. Now, it's not just a little skirmish. It's not a one-off fight. It's a full-blown assault. Assault of sustained thinking. Sustained focus on a problem, deep focus on that problem. That's what Walter is asking for. Exactly what Einstein said. He said, I stay with problems longer. So one of the greatest scientists, one of the greatest physicists of all time, then one of the greatest authors of all time, they're both saying the same things. And not only that, Bruce Lee, one of the greatest martial artists of all time, he said, a great warrior is an average man with laser-like focus. See, great warrior, in words of Bruce Lee, that's a big distinction. But he says, a great warrior is an average man, but with laser-like focus. So the question is, How many hours a day do you operate with that level of focus, with that level of intensity that Einstein and Voltaire and Bruce Lee are talking about? Probably not much. You are surrendering to the temptations of the day. You're surrendering to all the distractions that are coming your way. Don't surrender.
0: Oh my gosh. There are so many ways to to take this, Mark. My mind is spinning. First of all, no problem cause can sustain the assault of sustained thinking. Oh. How good is that as a quote? That I mean that that you just can feel the ferocious intensity of which Einstein spent on his ideas. He assaulted them and broke them until he had the solution, right? Yeah, yeah. He could just Go at it with his
1: brain, with his collaboration, and go and break down these things that seemed absolutely impossible. impossible.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to build on this. That that had, that had a lot in it um, from uh, this idea of Einstein applying both sustained thinking and persistence to the problems he worked on. So I want to show you the interconnectedness of the work of Einstein with two un- very unusual cats. And I want you to imagine these three people in the room. you got Einstein, wait for it, Michael Jordan, and then Cal Newport. And I think you might have something very special there. It's the ultimate Moonshots conference, right? <laughs> so check this out. So the interconnectedness between these three gentlemen Yet the very different practices they have tell us something big about how to be successful, how to be fulfilled in the things that we do, how to make a contribution. Because Michael Jordan, he was assaulting the basketball court. He was the first to training, the last to leave. And Cal Newport has been so prolific in this laser-like focus and doing the deep work. And what we see with Einstein is he took the same rules, the same playbook that Jordan and Newport have, and we can see that he did it too. And this is such a big clue on how we can achieve our moonshots too. All right, Mark, I know you're imagining Einstein, Jordan, Newport, they're all in the same room. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, it would be a pretty unusual setup um, and I would definitely, I'd want to be there, but you're right. That theme around how they approach their I mean, obviously all three of them are in completely different fields and categorizations of, of what they do, but I think they'd have a, a shared conversation around Mm -hmm. this, this idea of focus. And you're right, uh, calling out Cal Newport with our previous series, um, World Without Email, show number 135, as well as our Cal Action in show 136, where we broke down some of his work on digital minimalism, but also deep work. That's really coming through as we dig into Einstein, isn't it, his ability to, rather than say, oh, this is a bit hard, I'm going to distract myself As we might be, you know, distracted by nowadays with emails, social media, and instead just thinking, I'm going to crack this, I'm going to do it. I will understand how to break this down and get over it. And just by focusing, working really hard at the problem, I will become the best. And you're right. That's exactly what Jordan does. He practices, yeah. he stays behind. He becomes the best guy on the court. Oh, Mark, but of- he
0: does more than staying back. He, uh, it's a, an assault of his focus. <laughs> I mean, this is why yeah. this quote is so good. It, this sustained assault, right? This constant assault of sustained focus thinking, deep work, day after day, week after week. It is, to, to me, Mark, the reason that there is so much... Truth in this because few people, let's just take work and our careers. People work hard and they meet their deliverables and they do that. But truly mastering their domain, how many people really know how things work? How many people have really put in the really hard, the extra effort? How many people like write down their notes? thoroughly and completely. How many people put in Jordan-like time to master? And I think there's even this little nudge in this show that, you know, it's almost, yeah, it's like 1% talent, 99% perspiration. What we see in Cal, Michael Jordan, and what we're learning today is Einstein simply, Put in the effort. He worked harder. So once again, if we want to dream big, you got to work big, right? Yeah. And and for the listeners who are thinking, okay, well, how
1: can I get the motivation to get this level of sustained thinking and, and persistence of cracking a problem? We dig into this, Mike, in our first episode of the Master Series, don't we? Some of Completely. the recommendations with with Gary and the fact that, uh, Gary V and the fact that nobody really gets very far without that hard work. And that's, yes. that's a real eye opener, isn't it? I think a lot of us maybe take things for granted or maybe not take things for granted, but assume, Hey, I should have achieved this by now, mm-hmm. but to challenge yourself and think, okay, well, am I still working as hard as I possibly can? And still a- applying myself?
0: We have a great set of um, motivational uh, questions to trigger what motivates you and to spark you into action. We have a full breakdown of um, uh, intrinsic motivators, which are the best ones. And uh, we even have the self-determination theory, the heart of uh, the science of motivation. We've broken that down. It's all in the master series. Just go to moonshots.io, become a member, and you can listen to it right now. But if I want to get motivated, if there's somebody that gets a lot of our listeners fired up, it's Elon Musk, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it is. And this final
1: clip to round us all the way home with Albert Einstein and problem solving is Mr. Elon Musk. And it's a pretty interesting revealing clip, Mike, on the power of physics that he's had on, in his work. So this final clip is from Elon Musk and how we shouldn't rely on wishful thinking.
8: You know I, I think advice I mean if you want to make progress in things, I think the best analytical framework for understanding the future is physics um, i 'd recommend studying the, uh, the the thinking process around physics, like not, not just not, not, not the equations I mean the equations certainly they 're helpful, but the, the, the way of thinking in physics is the, it's the best framework for understanding things that are counterintuitive, and, um And, you know, always taking the position that you are to some degree wrong and your goal is to be less wrong over time. And one of the biggest mistakes people generally make, and I'm guilty of it too, is wishful thinking. You know, like you want something to be true even if it isn't true. Um, and so you ignore the things that... Uh, you, you ignore the real truth because of what you want to be true. This is a very difficult trap to avoid. Um, and like I said, it's certainly one that I uh, find myself in having problems with. But if you just take that approach of you're always to some degree wrong and your goal is to be less wrong and, and solicit critical feedback, particularly from friends. Like friends, particularly friends, if somebody loves you, they want the best for you. They don't want to tell you the bad things. Um, so you have to ask them, Care, you know, and said, really, I, I really do want to know. <laughs> and, and then they'll
2: tell you. Hmm.
0: Wishful thinking. I got to say, we have broken down lots of different ways to avoid wishful thinking, you know, Mark, and I cannot tell you how many times I've started on a project, sometimes even a business with way too much wishful thinking. And it caused me a lot mm. of drama. Cool. Uh, further on. Uh, so there's no shortcuts that you can take. You can't just guess, can you? You got to put in the work. Um, and it's not like a hit and hope thing. You know, you got to know your stuff, don't you?
1: You, you got to know your stuff. And also you've got to go into it uh, trying to remove subjectivity. You know, if you're about yes. to begin a project and it becomes a little bit hard, instead of trying to flee from it, instead of trying to reject it or do something else or ignore it completely. Instead, throwing yourself via hard work and discipline, that's how you're going to crack it and how you'll end up not only improving that project, but also learning how to improve yourself, I think.
0: Yeah, totally. Mike, what, you know, we've, you know, had the joy of diving into Einstein and I, I For me, it's just been, there's been a lot of uh, surprises here. I mean, it just shows you how much I just assumed about Einstein or how little I actually truly knew about him. And uh, I'm interested to know, like, how, how have you found his approach? Have you found it accessible or is it a bit confusing? I mean, where are you on trying to bring a little bit of Einstein into your day? I think
1: it's been a perfect start to our mental models series because it's been quite surprising. Like you say, I think my association with Einstein was always this incredible brain who was miles beyond me and actually felt quite inaccessible. Obviously his work and his effect and his foundation that he's left on the world is, um, nearly unsurpassed perhaps. But I never really dug into how he got there before mm. the show. Same. And I think, yeah, and I think the, the collaboration, you know, that was certainly a big surprise because I think my assumption was with all scientists, they just sit in their room and crack it with their calculators and blackboards. But the truth is they, they collaborate and that was quite revealing. But for me, Mike, actually what really captured me is that first clip. Uh, that then had a theme throughout all of the rest which was imagination and creativity if there's one thing that einstein kind of shows us it's thinking about a problem without judgment yeah. and thinking about a problem from a creative angle that allows you to think from different points of view is the most valuable way of trying to solve it
0: it is and and it's exciting to know that you know we can all have maybe a little Einstein moment in our day. If we just pick up on Occam's razor thought experiment and all the things that we mentioned in the show today. So if you are interested in following up on any of those, head over to moonshots.io. We have all of the show notes available, all the links, all sorts of good stuff. And certainly we've talked about Cal Newport, uh, Michael Jordan, we've done shows on all of those guys. So you can check them out at moonshots.io. Oh, Mark, I'm a little
1: exhausted after this show. (laughs) Well, Mike, don't be too exhausted because we have some absolute powerhouses coming up in the rest of the Mental Models series. So I hope you're
0: feeling enlivened rather than too tired. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Listen, Mark, thank you to you. Thank you for all the help breaking this down, learning out loud together. And thank you to you, our listeners, Wherever you are on all four corners of the globe, it has been a joy to do show 137 on Albert Einstein and to put our minds to how our minds think. And it started with this idea of how much more important imagination is than knowledge itself. And we learned that the key thing that Einstein did is the thought experiment to explore often impossible situations and predict their implications and outcomes. Then he called us to our pens, to our paper, to draw, to write, to bring our thoughts out of our mind and into the world. And to remember that the simplest explanation is often the best. Yes, Occam's razor. And the way he did it, wow. It was all about collaboration because he knew, Einstein knew we were better together and he had some real staying power. He had the persistence. He had the ability to assault the ideas, assault the problems until they became solutions. And he never ever relied on wishful thinking. He was the arch enemy of guessing because he was about knowing. And listeners, moonshotters, all of you who are listening right now, you too can have your Einstein moment. If you think better, think like Einstein. This will help you do work that matters. And remember that no problem can survive the assault of sustained thinking. So go out there, apply yourself, be the best version of yourself, and you too can be like Einstein. All right, that's it for the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.